Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're reading 1 Kings 21 and 22. But before we jump in, I've got a quick announcement for us. The Uncommon Parenting Conference will be hosted at Watermark Community Church here in Dallas, Texas at the North Dallas location on November 10th and 11th of 2023. So if you're listening to Join the Journey and you're a parent, this is for you. The conference is designed to help parents feel more confident as you raise your children in an ever-changing culture according to God's unchanging truth. And really, the Uncommon Parenting Conference is for any parent or caretaker who wants to be better equipped to disciple the children in his or her life. So this could include expecting parents, foster parents, or those in the process of adopting, and empty nesters or grandparents. We'll put the link to sign up for the conference in the episode description, but the conference is in November, and today we're reading the end of 1 Kings and watching the final demise of King Ahab. More specifically, we're looking at chapter 22, verses 21 through 23, in which we encounter the lying spirit. So what are we to make of this? First, We've got to understand that elements of the story aren't far off. This isn't a, isn't a crazy alternate reality we're reading about. The story clearly evidences the fallen nature of the world we live in today. As chapter 21 begins, we read that Ahab really wanted Naboth's vineyard. And when Ahab asks for the vineyard and gets told no, he goes home and pouts about it. He doesn't get his way, and he pouts. If you've spent any time around toddlers, you know that's super relatable. Ahab's at home pouting, and his wife Jezebel comes in. Ahab tells her what's happening, and she's like, hey, I'll take care of this. And she does. She gets Naboth killed, stoned to death, actually. It was a scheme marked by lies and deceit. If you spend any time in corporate America, you know that there are people out there willing to lie or cheat in order to make a deal. While the method of execution, the stoning, might seem unrelatable, the strategy behind the goal truly is relatable. But here's the deal. God sees right through all the lies and deceit. So he sends Elijah to meet King Ahab in the vineyard. And Elijah has to tell Ahab that he's going to die just as Naboth had died. And as the story continues, it becomes clear that the death of Ahab foretold by Elijah was an act of God's justice. As we read in chapter 21, verse 25, that there was no one who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord quite like Ahab. But then, when Ahab hears this, it seems that he actually repents, thus delaying God's judgment for another generation, or at least that's how it appears. As chapter 22 begins, we see that the king of Israel, Ahab, and the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, may have the opportunity to team up against the Syrians. So this is huge. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, they might be about to team up. But before they go fight, Jehoshaphat wants to make sure that this endeavors God's will. So he calls for prophets to come and verify that God would have them go fight the Syrians in order to take back the city that had originally belonged to them. Jehoshaphat, though, he wants to be just a little bit extra sure that going to this battle or going into this battle is God's will. So even though this huge group of prophets said, hey, it's a green light, you can go fight, it's going to be awesome, he calls on one more prophet, a guy named Micaiah. 
And this ruffles, this ruffles Ahab's feathers because he does not like Micaiah. In fact, Ahab literally says that he hates Micaiah as Micaiah always prophesies bad stuff about him. And at first, it seems like everything's fine. At first glance, at least. Micaiah says, yeah, go fight the Syrians. But really, he's probably being sarcastic because then Jehoshaphat presses him, asking how many times he should swear that he's speaking the message of the Lord. That's verse 16. And at this point, or it's at this point, that Micaiah lets us into his vision. He tells us what he's actually hearing from the Lord. And essentially, he uses figurative language to flat out diss Ahab. He says that he sees Israel as sheep without a shepherd, and they will return home from battle in peace. Well, why would they return home in peace? Because their evil ruler, Ahab, their quote-unquote shepherd, will be lost in the battle. So in essence, Micaiah is explaining that getting rid of Ahab is the motivation behind God's resounding yes in sending the Israelites to this battle. One commentator puts it like this. Foolishly, Ahab thought that Elijah and Micaiah were his enemies, when quite the contrary, they were his only links to a future worth living. Today's readers of scripture have the same option that was offered to Ahab. They may hear and repent, or they may sulk and resent the messenger. Remember, the elements of this story aren't far off. This isn't a crazy alternate reality. The story clearly evidences the fallen nature of the world that we live in today. But we return to the story, and Micaiah continues by explaining how Ahab would be taken out in this battle— the Lord would allow, or, or has allowed, really, as we've seen, a lying spirit to afflict all the prophets such that they would lead Ahab to his downfall via going into this battle against the Syrians. And this raises some questions, the million-dollar questions. Why would God not be totally honest and straight up with Ahab? And why would God let a lying spirit go? Or if God's going to allow a lying spirit to wreak havoc, why would he let it afflict the prophets of all people? These questions, they provide a great opportunity for us to practice good Bible study method. Anytime you read a passage in the Bible and it feels incongruent with the rest of the story of Scripture or what we know of God's character— Take the time to compare it to other relevant passages and put it in context. So first, let's do just that, some context. Let's look at the life of Ahab and then other instances of such spirits. One thing we can't forget in our study of Ahab is this. Ahab's entire life was full of demonstrations of him walking away from God and disobeying God. He had countless opportunities to hear the word of the Lord and repent but he chose not to. A major example of this, or a very clear example of this, is his encounter with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. If anything should have prompted him to walk away from these false gods, it would have been this moment. A full-on miracle of God sending down fire and Elijah killing 400 false prophets would lead most people to repentance. However, Ahab, he didn't repent. There's nothing in his actions that show a truly repentant heart. A repentant heart is one that turns away from their sin and, and walks, or really runs in the opposite direction. Ahab does act sorry for some of his sins, see 1 Kings 21, 27, but being sorry for sin or sad you've got a consequence and truly repentant are two different things. 
If anything, this passage in the whole book of 1 Kings showed the mercy of God in not giving people what they deserve. God is seen giving chance after chance, providing opportunities for leaders like Ahab to make wise decisions. Don't lose the importance of this piece of the story. God gave Ahab countless opportunities to turn from sin, and Ahab chose to live in opposition to God. I'm going to say that again because it's important. God gave Ahab countless opportunities to turn from sin, and Ahab chose to live in opposition to God. Ahab didn't want to worship God. His actions had culminated in the Lord punishing him for his evil deeds by allowing him to be put to death during the war with the Syrians in accordance with the word Micaiah had spoken. And this event evidences God's justice. God promised back in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68, that when people do not follow him, they will be cursed. Ahab was receiving here the very justice that he deserved, death. Although Ahab rightly received justice, though, we're still left with the question, how could God send a lying spirit? And really, if, if, we're, if we're not careful, that question might be an incorrect reading of the passage. In the passage, God does not send a lying spirit. Rather, he allows one to afflict these prophets. In fact, the spirit volunteers to go and afflict the prophets. God allows not only good things to happen in order to fulfill his purposes, but he also allows evil. By God allowing this spirit to be used in the prophets, he was allowing his greater purpose to be fulfilled in Ahab, which was his inevitable death, this ultimate act of justice. This is not necessarily a lie in the sense of blatantly telling someone something that is not true, but rather Ahab's continual disobedience to the Lord made him forfeit his right to the truth. Or said differently, by continually disobeying God, Ahab forfeited his right to the full story from these prophets. Let me say that again, don't miss it. By continually disobeying God, Ahab forfeited his right to the full story from these prophets. As for who this lying spirit was or is, scholars have differing views. And in short, it could have been a personified spirit of prophecy, a demon, or Satan. If you want to study this further for the sake of time, I'd recommend you investigate the beginning chapters of Job, the spirit Saul saw before he died back in 1 Samuel, or check out 1 Chronicles 21.1, 2 Samuel 24.1, and Zechariah 3.1. But regardless of who the acting agent behind the lying spirit was, God allowed evil action to progress in order to accomplish his own purposes. So if we were to sum up the moral of the story, I think it would be this. God wanted Ahab to make the right choice, but after giving him a lot of chances, the Lord relented and gave Ahab what he wanted to be an enemy of Yahweh. God shows abundant mercy to Ahab as he allows him chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity to repent. But God ended up giving Ahab what he wanted, which was to throw himself fully against Yahweh and go his own way. So as we close, I'm sorry this episode's a little longer, but as we close, one takeaway for us today is to take inventory of our own lives. Are there areas in which we are blatantly denying the truth of God? Are there areas in our lives in which we are blatantly denying or opposing the truth of God? And if so, how long will you go on ignoring what God says is best, right, or true? 
That's all we have time for today. Special thanks to our Watermark Institute fellow, Hannah Stobbs, for helping with today's episode. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.